This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirdis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyheart. Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your severely jet-lagged host, Joe Keegan, and joined with me today are my most amazing, famous podcaster friend, Amy Nelson, and also my new friend, Justin Ozer. How are you both today? Amy? Yeah, I'm a little sad. Everyone has left my city. They've gone home. They've back to their lives. I'm back to my life. I'm starting work. What is that about? But I'm happy to be here to see your lovely faces again. I suppose you only work 180 days a year or something, doesn't it? So that's the the next holiday is only around the corner. It's just around the corner. That is true. It's probably next week. Cool. Justin, how are you? Yeah, doing great. Well, it was great to finally meet you in person, Joe. That was awesome. And of course, we got to record a podcast in person, which is such a nice rarity that we did for Star Trek Las Vegas. We didn't talk about it as much as last time, but this is the first episode we're kind of recording not in person where uh, we had gotten all the news about uh, Star Trek Picard with the trailer and knowing that people, more people from TNG, Brent Spiner and Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Del Arco and also Jerry Ryan from Voyager are going to be in Picard. It's so exciting and TNG is more relevant than ever, right? Very true. Yes. Um, it was really cool to see uh, Jonathan Frakes and Jerry Ryan and Jonathan Delarco on stage. Wish they'd given us some more news. I don't think we learned anything particularly new um, from the the Picard panel, but it was still cool to see them. I love Jerry Ryan. Mm-hmm. She's, I think, she ages backwards. Well, and one thing that I think is just a delight is seeing everyone. A lot of people are doing a TNG rewatch in you know preparation for the new Picard, and so. People are tweeting about the next generation, even, you know, going back to season one and season two, which I find just delightful. And so I'm so happy to see the newfound energy in the next gen. And that just means we're going to have more listeners, I would imagine. I would hope so. I would imagine. And if this is your first time listening to Earl Grey, welcome. (laughs) How are we going to handle being famous podcasters? We'll have to have like... um, an entourage and security with us. Well, that could be interesting. Well, you will. You're the most famous hey. of us, Joe, with all of your cosplays that got so much attention. 
don't tell Amy, <laughs> but I've been saying this for a long time now. <laughs> oh, Amy, you're there. Oh, okay. Stop, you guys. <laughs> okay, so we are having an iTunes giveaway. If you leave an iTunes written review and star rating uh, between now and August 31st, then you'll be entered into the draw to win a pack of TNG collector's cards, which have been kindly donated by Trek, Van, Trek fan LV, who is Chris Tribuzio, who is one of our associate producers. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, um, I got a pack of these also, and... I sorted them out numerically, which took me a couple of hours, and it's just really fun. Yeah, and 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 Joe, you sent me a message if I had certain cards, and I was like, I didn't open it. It's factory sealed. Why? It's like a collectible like that, and and I'm not opening it, at least yet. Maybe some years from now, but you couldn't help yourself. You had to open it. I do. <laughs> I, I'm not one of those people that have things and kind of still in the shrink wrap or still in the kind of factory sealed packaging um if i buy something i have to open it usually before i get home okay i'm that impatient um like even there's a huge um group of people that collect this the star trek starships Mm -hmm. and they've labeled all their boxes so if they like move house they've got the box that the starship came in Um, i don't do that i take them out the box and put the box in the bin yeah well so now that you've seen the cards what do you think of them I think they're really cool. Yeah. I like them. I th- I'm not sure when they were produced. It feels like they were maybe um, produced back when TNG was on. Yeah, originally. I think if I remember right, 1992. Oh, okay, so yeah, no, they they feel the feel of the time. Like they don't feel like a current production. So if anybody has these cards, I am missing <laughs> 103, 107, 110, 102H and 103H and the H stands for hologram cards so please um, send me a message <laughs> tell me you got them and arrange to send them to me so thank you I'll check my set because I like opening things as well so I will check for you please do so we've got some Babel conference feedback for episode 284 which was the deleted scenes part 2 and in that one we were talking about one episode only because it took so long Evolution, 11 scenes from Evolution. That's right, it was, it was good fun. That was my first deleted scenes episode that I was on. So, Amy, take it away. All right, well, Kimberly Lawler writes, apparently TrekCore crashed over the weekend, so they're still trying to migrate servers, and the links don't work yet, at least for me. Looking forward to watching the clips, but the pod episode was good. Well, Kimberly, that's pretty... I don't know if they crashed because of our podcast. I don't know. I don't That's- think it was because... <laughs> yeah, so so this was from a couple of weeks ago. So actually what happened was the Picard trailer came out at San Diego Comic-Con and TrekCore had some stories and things about it and apparently their site crashed because they're getting too much traffic. So it also crashed that and it took them a while. But as of this recording on August 10th, it is back up and I sent Kimberly a message in the Babel conference that it's back up and she got to watch it. So that was worth it. And oh, listeners, so it wasn't yeah. because of us. Darn it. No, it wasn't because we were sending tons of traffic to watch deleted scenes. Probably not. No, it happened a couple days before. It happened either, a few, I think it was like a few days before the episode. Yeah, it had came to out. have been because the yeah. news was on Saturday and our episode mm-hmm. dropped and it came on, out Tuesday. on Tuesday. That's right. Yeah, because so I was listeners- on Trek Core um, while I was trying to research for the recording. So 
Yeah. Have been before. I think they have everything back up now, but but listeners, if you listen to that and you wanted to see the scenes and you couldn't because Trekcore wasn't available, it's available now. The link's in the show notes. If for some reason you can't find that, you know, look for the post in the Babel conference for Earl Grey 284 or reach out to us and we can send you the links to watch those. Definitely well worth watching. All right. So Paul Wright Jr. just said, Bob Kelso. And that had to do with Ken Jenkins, who played Stubbs in Evolution. I think, Amy, you're trying to remember who you played on Scrubs. And Paul Wright Jr. gave you the answer. Yes, Kelso. I just, I totally forgot. So thank you, Paul. <laughs> we, we even had, I think, talked about that. You remember way back when we were talking with, uh, with Richard about different characters who got notoriety on other That's shows. That's right, yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah, but that was, a, I don't know, over a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> so... Thank, thank you, Paul, for setting us straight on that. I don't think I never watched Scrubs when it was on. I think I've maybe seen a handful of episodes. It's pretty cute. I'll maybe have to go back and watch it. I haven't seen them all, just a few on okay. reruns. But. Cool. So we also have some Babel Conference feedback for episode 285, which we did on the character of Kern. Um, so um, this person, is it Brunei Yakuza? No. <laughs> How'd you say her name? That's, yes. <laughs> Don't send me any messages, Brandy. This is all Joe. <laughs> Brandy, Jacola, Jacola, they make fun on live. And that's why I did it. I was how to pronounce like, it, but yeah. I know. Out of, out of love. Even though I've never met her before or interacted with her in any way. <laughs> oh, really? That's a shame. She looks super cool. Really nice. She's lovely. Um, so Brandy, Jacola says, I love Kern. I got to meet Tony Todd at Fanex Spring this year. He was in a word. Um, oh, wait, was that? Fanex? Yeah, Fanex. The convention the that I'll be presenting at? Just yes, saying. that uh, With Amy will famously be at a panel for. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Excellent. So if it, since I'm hosting, can I maybe finish my comment, Amy? Thank Please. you. Please. Huh. Um, so I'll start again. Brandy Jacola says, I love Kern. I got to meet Tony Todd at Fanex Spring this year. He was, in a word, amazing. We shared stories about cats we had loved and lost, and he gave me a hug. One of my best Trek interactions of all time. Brandy, you like cats? I do not like cats. I like dogs. And I do not oh, like Tony Todd either. Because he's terrifying. That is all. I'm... Um, I'm sad because cats and Tony Todd are two of my favorite things too. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Each to their own. There was something, oh, you know the, the videos that people have been posting and the pictures of being re- reunited with their dogs after STLV? Like the whole, the whole host yes. of them. There was a video I saw yesterday of somebody being reunited with their cat after an event um, and the cat walks up to them and just walks right past <laughs> so that's what cats are like. Isn't that the best? Oh, a reunion. It warms my heart. I love cats. Diabolical no, not creatures. All, not all cats are like that. Yeah. Not all cats are like that. I have cats that love me very much. Sure. <laughs> I swear. That's what they make <laughs> you think while they're plotting your demise. Well, you, even, if it's, even if it's an act, it's very convincing. It is. Okay, so... Andrea Valentova says, Hey, Earl Grey crew, I am indeed a listener from the Czech Republic. Thank you for letting us know. That was from a previous episode where we found out we were charting in the Czech Republic for Apple Podcasts for a time. And um, Andrea is letting us know that uh, she's listening from the Czech Republic. So hello, and thank you for letting us know that 
real people from the Czech Republic listen to Earl Or, Grey. <laughs> as they say, ahoy. <laughs> right. I remember that. I can't remember any of the Hungarian, but I remember ahoy vshem neshim poloska chum vcheska republice diki zapozlech. Yeah, you mean the Czech Republic. I know, but I can't Hungary. remember the Hungarian. I remember the yeah. Czech, but... Oh, but you can't yeah, remember the like Czech. it's like in my brain okay. now, and it will never go away. <laughs> Kimberly Lawler says, One thing that struck me was in the discussion about the differences between Picard and Cisco on how they would have handled Kern wanting to commit suicide. Picard's cultural relativism in this regard doesn't sit well with me. I agree more with Riker and Cisco, but I suppose I can understand the argument that it wasn't the Starfleet officer's call to make. However, not getting Kern's consent to wipe his memory was extremely unsettling. Hashtag still listening. My favourite Trek species is the Vulcans. Their logic and emotional self-control is very appealing to me. And I have really liked most of the Vulcan characters on the shows, especially Tuvok and T'Pol, and Sarek and, of course, Spock. Although I haven't watched Discovery, I understand that shows them in some, a somewhat different light. Yeah, thanks for the comment, Kimberly. The first part of your comment about um, how Picard and Cisco would have handled it differently, I think that's just a, a testament to the fact that they were incredibly different um, leaders. Also in different situations, one on a Federation ship, the other on a Bajoran space station. That could have had something to do with it. Yeah. I agree with you, Kimberly, about how that made me feel really uncomfortable when Kern's um, mind and memory got wiped. Um, it was a violation on his person um, with no consent whatsoever. I'm not sure if the if Discovery shows the Vulcans in a different light necessarily, apart from the whole Vulcan hello. They fire first and then ask, ask questions. I, th I think that you see certain aspects of Spock and Sarek's character explored that you don't maybe see as much elsewhere, but I, I think it's still recognizable that mm. they're Vulcans dealing with the kinds of things they usually deal with, emotional self-control yeah. and all I that. I think the but. show that maybe showed Vulcans in a different light the most was Enterprise. They just seemed like really difficult mm -hmm. and the first, stubborn. first couple seasons, yeah. So mm -hmm. thanks, Kimberly. Uh, we also have... Babel Conference feedback for episode 286. I know, this is a marathon of feedback. Yes, which was our hilarious STLV 2019 show. <laughs> so, Amy. Alrighty, well, we have Jim Stoffel, who uh, mentions all the panels that he went to, and that he says that they were awesome. He went to Terry Farrell and Ethan Peck, Nichelle Nichols, Anson Mount, Jason Isaacs, Chase Masterson, they all were wonderful. Well, thank you, Jim, for letting us know that you enjoyed those panels. I uh, went to most of them uh, as you, and again, just thought they were awesome as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually only went to a few of those. I think yeah, same for I you, Joe, right? I think I saw maybe four panels over the entire week. Um, but just because <laughs> it, was, it was a different STOV for me, to a different dynamic. But the ones that I did see were, were pretty cool. I'm glad I saw them. Especially the teaching and trek ones. They were, yeah. they were pretty useful for my job. Okay, so we have Stefan Ringlein who says, Great episode, guys. Thanks for the detailed reports and impressions every time. It's a highlight every year and pushes me one step closer to going there myself. I'm also looking forward to the Picard show and also I'm very excited about Lower Decks. About the Section 31 and the Pike show, I'm patiently waiting on what they'll announce before getting emotionally involved. Hashtag still listening. I was just rolling on the floor laughing about your Scottish food review bit. It was hilarious. Amy, I totally feel the same way about Jaffa Cakes. 
We also have those here in Germany, but with a different name. No offense, Joe. <laughs> so thanks for your comments, Stefan. Glad that you enjoyed the episode. And let's talk about that Scottish food review. I think we got a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people that thought it was really funny. I think I found it hard to contain myself and not laugh the whole time. I think the reason people enjoyed it was because it was obvious that we were having fun doing it. <laughs> I mean, it was a risk yeah. because it was just audio. You know, it's like, gosh, are we going to have some video to see the reactions? But I think it came through. I mean, it sounds like it came through. So it was good. Yeah, you could hear the reactions. You could hear your <laughs> hatred of Jeff. I know, but my audio. face. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was I literally too, I, before. But. STLV, I've never met anybody that hasn't liked a Jaffa cake. Really? You're the first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, now you know Stefan yeah, and I don't like him. We can still be friends. <laughs> okay. So, Kimberly Lawler uh, says, Nice to hear from you all from the convention. You make it sound like a lot of fun. Maybe I can talk my husband into going next year. It would be so nice to meet people in person. And maybe Patrick Stewart will actually show up next summer after Picard has come out and they can do a TNG panel too. So our favourite show gets more love like it should. Amy Nelson, I'm with you in being so impressed by Kate Mulgrew. I'm doing a Voyager rewatch right now and Jamie has definitely become my second favourite captain after Picard. So thanks for your comment, Kimberly. Yes, I'm not sure if... Patrick Stewart will do another convention after last year? I don't know. I think if Picard, I think if if season one of Picard has come out and he's not busy shooting next summer, do you think? I think he should be there. Yeah, I think it'll all depend on his uh, schedule. But uh, Kimberly, I'm already taking names. You are on my list to attend STLV 2020. So I will see you next year. I've already had a couple other comments, and I definitely am taking names. And and you took Stefan's name also because he said he's being pushed closer to going to STLV, so he's on your list too. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> yes, got him as well. There's absolutely no reason why people shouldn't come to STLV. Uh, it does cost money, so... Well, there's a couple <laughs> reasons. <laughs> no, money, <laughs> distance, taking time off. I mean, there are things uh, that, that get in... They can get I know, real life. What is up with that? Minor (laughs) details. Just get it (laughs) sorted. So I think um, if we're mentioning people that have never been to STLV before, we have to mention people uh, for whom STLV was a first. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to say her name, Rhea Papagiorgio. Yes. Who it was so lovely to meet for the first time. And I think she had a really special time at the convention. Just how we got to hang out with her, went out for a dinner a couple of times. Um, and it was just really, really nice. And she's she looks amazing. She was out there fighting Klingons on the floor of the convention. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I saw the, her battleth work. It was yeah. it was pretty spectacular. So yeah, I can count Rhea Papa Giorgio as one of my friends now. So that's cool. <laughs> well, Christopher Baca writes says thanks. To some awesome fans posting video, I got to see parts of the motion picture panel. It's so cool to get the inside story on how the effects were done. That panel should have been recorded for the future 4K release. The V'ger transfiguration effect and the Enterprise reveal with the Moray effect is still one of my favorite shots in any Trek film. It's amazing what was done with the animation, paintings on glass, etc. Well, Christopher, I was there for that panel as well, and it, it was 
just beautifully done and explained, and it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. That that was actually a highlight. I loved seeing that panel and hearing how things were done back in you know the late seventies. Yeah, what the cl- the how they did the effect for the cloud mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, it just it was really good. And I am one who likes the motion picture, I so I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I I do as well, and I just like the fact that there was like no CGI. It was all right? just photographic effects. Yeah, um, they had to be very pretty. creative. So let's jump into our, this episode where this is part three of our science in the next generation. The first episode that I have selected to highlight the science in is The Chase. And I've chosen that episode because of the kind of the themes of the origins of life. The Chase listeners, if you remember, where Picard tries to finish his old archaeology teacher's monumental last mission solving a puzzle that leads humans, Romulans, Klingons, and Cardassians to the secret of life in this galaxy, revealing the origin of humanoid life. And when we went through uh, the Picard exhibit, they had the, uh, where his teacher brought him, what was the? The Curlin Neskos, is that it? Curlin, yeah. That piece was on Uh display, and it just, yeah, so very... Very awesome uh, set piece to have. I think that's maybe one of my favorite TNG episodes because there's something about, there's something kind of Indiana Jones-like adventure about it and it's nothing to do with archaeology. It just seems like it's a this big um, race to find something, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoy. Anyways, the origins of life. So, Amy, Justin, how old is the universe? It's, a, it's what, a 13 point something billion years old? Point something isn't a number. Okay, 13.7 or 8. I don't remember the exact. Oh, okay, yeah. So, Sorry, I, 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 I watch a lot of videos that are about cosmology, so that's been banged okay. in my head so, a bit. Yeah, no, okay. so it's somewhere between 13.7 and 13.8 hmm. billion years old. Okay. When was the Earth created? What, four? Please don't say 6,000 years <laughs> ago. So that would be incorrect. 4.5 billion? 4.6, something like that. Stop Googling, I'm not. Justin. I just, again, it's been like yes, banged into my head because I've watched all these videos about the universe. Okay. Sorry, right. but I should Let's give Amy a chance. <laughs> yes, please. No, you're doing just fine, Justin. I'm, I'm riding on your coattails, <laughs> okay. what he said. So, Amy, this is your question now, yeah? So the universe is 13.7 billion years old. The Earth is 4.5 billion years old. When, roughly... Did the first life appear? I don't know. I think I <laughs> know. Was it three point eight billion, something like that? Okay, yeah. So in the kind of in the region of like four billion About years 4 billion. ago, yeah. So roughly five hundred million years after the Earth was created, and just after the first water appeared on the planet. So the first life would have been like single-celled microorganisms that would have been found in the material that was ejected from hydrothermal vents at the bottom of the oceans or the newly formed oceans. So things that perhaps would have been able to survive really high temperatures and really high pressures, but were nonetheless um, single-celled organisms. Now, there's another question which kind of springs to mind. Where did this life come from? Now, there's two um, schools of thought on it. So there's two schools of thought on it. Either the organic compounds that came together to form the first amino acids, then produced the first proteins, they kind of naturally 
formed and came together on this newly formed earth. Or the material was introduced from outside the earth, i.e. from meteor impacts. And we don't know where it came from. There are just two theories and I'm not sure if either one will ever be provable. Until we get a time machine to go back and find out for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that's possible. <laughs> it's probably either. unlikely. No, either, even though we like we time travel all the time, we do, and that like our satellites um, go time for our satellites in orbit, um, it goes faster than time for us on the surface because of the fact that we're in a deeper in the gravitational well. Mm-hmm. And even when you don't move, you're really traveling through time anyway, right? And that you time and, the, and that time passes you? and goes forward. You're times moving arrow, yeah, yeah, goes forward always. Or is there such a thing of time, or is it just the relative change in position of the material in the universe? That's there's no such thing as time. A very deep question. Amy, are you dumbfounded by this new knowledge that you have? Y- yes, I am. Can you count as high as thirteen point seven billion? No, I cannot. Of course you can. It would just take time. <laughs> it would, yeah, you would be long dead. <laughs> yes. I think you maybe get to a couple of million before you're dead. I don't think so, especially if you count really yes. fast. But the fact of saying the words takes time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when you got to like 1,376,558. 1,376,558. See, you would just, yeah. you would just yeah. use, like, use a, a shorthand. It would be like 1,300,000. 1,2,3,4,5,7,9. <laughs> like that, and you know that what came before it is um, anyway. That's a totally separate question. But the or- oh, okay, so you're going to cheat, Justin, is what you're saying. That's fine. I'm just going to be more okay. efficient. You mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. I, I wanted to make sure to mention that we don't know whether the origin of life just happened, you know, right on Earth or came from somewhere else. But there was an episode of Roll Gray that we previously did that where Richard and I had on. Mike Wong and Elise Cutts from uh, Strange New World, Science and Star Trek podcast. And they talked all about this idea of panspermia, life coming from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think the conclusion they came to is that what you see in the chase is very, very unlikely. That a civilization would be able to seed something and still have these things that would show as markers like billions of years later. So, but anyway... Mm -hmm. Uh, if listeners want to go back, that that was pretty interesting where we had uh, talked about that. There's that question that people always ask me because I'm a science teacher. Um, do you think life exists? And there's a number of ways you can interpret that. Do you think, like talking about extraterrestrial life, do you think it exists anywhere in the universe? Do you think there's an intelligent civilization that has visited us? Or do you just think there's intelligent life elsewhere in the universe? Um so I like to think and um, answer the question, is there life elsewhere in the universe? And I think the obvious answer is yes, there has to be. There has to be, but is it so far away that we might not be able to Yeah, and that's, that's fine. But if the question is, does it exist then? Yes, given the Milky Way galaxy in which we live is, contains somewhere in the region of 450 billion stars. And if even a fraction of them have even one or two planets, then you're talking about the Milky Way galaxy having trillions of planets. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a small fraction of them that are within the habitable zone around their stars. And so then the likelihood increases of life evolving on them if the, mm-hmm. there's kind of liquid water, if the right ingredients for life exist. And then the Milky Way is just one kind of average-sized galaxy. 
and there are hundreds and hundreds of billions of galaxies in the universe. That And that's just in the observable universe. There's lots of the universe we can't even see because mm-hmm. it's traveling so quickly away from us that we can't even see the light from it. So there's got to be something out there. We just don't know how far away. Something like the, the universe is, with it being 13.7 billion years old, it's actually like something like 150 billion light years across. I think for the, if I remember right, the observable universe is something like 90 billion light years across because there are things where the light left like 13 billion years ago, but in that time, the universe has expanded enough that it's further away. The The universe is mind-bogglingly big. It's pretty incredible. Um, I just wanted to mention before we go on, so that Earl Grey episode about the chasing panspermia was number 237. So did you happen to go to that teaching trick um, where it's Muhammad Noor spoke. He wrote mm. a book called Live Long and Evolve, what Star Trek can teach us about evolution, genetics, and life on other worlds. Did you see that panel? I did I not, no. So I was able to catch the first 15 minutes because then I had to go. I think William Shatner was coming on. They just they double booked the panels, yeah. and it's very <laughs> frustrating. But I did get to see the first, and why I think um, this episode the chase actually could i mean we know that you said that it's not but uh professor nor was saying that and again i really do apologize don't send me hate mail i know that i don't know (laughs) this but the um like how we're saying that humans didn't come from like the apes like that's completely different but that there is evolution within the same family but so that like humans romulans klingons could have evolved from each other and so that i like that idea from each other like there was some humanoid that was seeded instead of the single cell life yes Hmm. and that yeah and so and his uh professor nor you know talked about like some myths you know, it's like myths. We did not, you know, come from apes. Like that's a complete, completely different strand. I'm sorry, I'm not using the right terminology, but I'm going to get his book and read more on it because I find it very interesting. Um, but I can see that how those life forms were able to evolve. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more plausible if you say that humanoids are being seeded. The chase does say something different that billions mm. of years ago it seeded like the first life, but if you brought it up to like humanoid life, like I don't know, right. a million years ago or something, maybe that might be more plausible. And for it to like on all these planets, for it to evolve to be pretty similar, mm-hmm. like humanoid, two arms, two legs, body, head, yeah. eyes in the yeah. same place is pretty unfathomable. That question about whether life exists, either yes, it does, because like enough time has elapsed and there's enough planets out there, or no, it doesn't, because we are that race. Oh. <laughs> that seeds yeah. life elsewhere in the universe. At the some the point other in the answer is it did, but they all destroyed themselves, you know. But that's that's also kind of unlikely that you'd have lots of civilizations all doing the same thing and destroying themselves, I think. But Mind blowing. We're going to move on to suspicions. Amy. All right, so in Suspicions, Dr. Crusher violates Starfleet regulations and medical ethics when she investigates the death of a Ferengi scientist. So why are we talking about Suspicions? The byline I've given on this is super shields. And this Dr. Crusher, kind of, does she invent the metaphysic shields? 
I think, well, she doesn't invent it, but it's this idea from this Ferengi scientist, Dr. Rega, and she brings together other scientists um, to examine the idea. But she's kind of the catalyst for helping the research along to examine it and eventually make it work, yeah. It would be cool if she invented it, but... <laughs> Unlikely that she would have done, given our kind of medical background. We're talking about this not from the perspective of medical ethics, but because of shields. Now... We don't have anything uh, on present-day Earth that resembles anything like the shields that we see in Star Trek. No force fields, no nothing cool that can protect us from radiation or gunshots or whatever like that. The only thing we really have is physical shielding, but we don't have like energy yeah, shields. Yeah, like armor, yeah. yeah. The US military have a couple of prototypes, things which behave kind of not unlike shields. So there's one thing called active protection systems, which is the most unlike a shield. So basically on a tank, you would have this APS system and it would be constantly monitoring the surroundings around the tank using like sensors and cameras looking for incoming projectiles. And then very quickly, if it identified a projectile incoming, it would shoot it either with another projectile or a gun or a laser blow up before it got to the tank. So it's mostly just having better like active sensors to see something coming. Exactly. Interesting. So that's not very like shields at all. However, the other one is to use a laser to produce a plasma that produces a shockwave, which absorbs the shockwave from an explosion. So think about a tank again. A tank hits an IED, like an improvised explosive device, creates this shockwave, a laser detects the shockwave from the explosion. The way I understand it, it fires two lasers to a focal point and it produces, mm. uh, turns the air at that location into a plasma. Mm. And the plasma that's created absorbs the shockwave from the explosion, protecting the, the tank from the, wow. the, the shockwave. Now it's like a, um, a concussive shockwave. So it would protect the inhabitants. Now that way, um, if you're in an explosion, the thing that is most likely to kill you is the concussive shockwave. It's like being in a really high-speed collision. Like it hits mm. your body, and then your internal organs kind of basically impact yeah. your ribs, your brain impacts the front of your skull. Um, so that's kind of cool. That's cool. Um, it's like a shield on demand. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't protect... Um, it's not like a bubble effect, so it just protects like that area um, mm -hmm. where the explosion's coming from, which is cool. Wow, I'd never heard of that. Wow, hmm. so we are on our way to shields. Getting getting there slowly but surely. But that's the thing they say about um, wars. Wars are kind of good for technology and technological advancement. Which is a terrible thing to have to say as a species, but yeah, but it can it can be the impetus to spend money on technological advancement. Yeah. Yes. The metaphasic shield is like a special kind of. I was looking up like a subspace shield or something, right? Yeah, it's just like supercharged shields. Like so, they can get really close to a star. Yeah, it just blankets <laughs> more of the EM spectrum, I suppose. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and you do see so you see it in suspicions and. It actually gets used in Descent Part 2 against the Borg. 
that's right. Yeah. yeah. Did they not fly into a star and then use a flare to destroy the Borg ship or something? Yes. You might you might be right. It's funny that you that you say that because we have something coming up where we'll be talking about Borg episodes and I was just watching Descent Part 1 today and I was going to watch Descent Part 2 later, so I don't remember. Yeah, Crusher does. Because they do that, They do, I'm sure they do that three times in Star Trek and... Is it Redemption? Mm-hmm. Redemption Part 2, when Kern does that with the Klingon ship, yeah. And then I'm sure they do it in an episode of Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine with some Jem'Hadar or something, Yeah, right? that's right. It must be easy it's if they uh, do it so much. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just get really close to a star and then do something. Fire a tractor beam at the, the surface. Or go to warp or whatever, yeah, and like, zoop. <laughs> cause a, a, a coronal mass ejection um, or a solar flare and destroy the yeah. ships that are behind you. Easy. Future technology is amazing. Anything's possible, right? That's, that's what sci-fi is all about. <laughs> yeah. Next episode is Second Chances, which I've named Dolly the Riker. Amy? All right. So in Second Chances, the Enterprise finds a second Will Riker on a planet that he helped evacuate eight years ago. This is such a good episode. I love it. And then, mm. of course, we see Thomas Riker later in Deep Space Nine where he steals the Defiant and joins the Maquis. And has fake sideburns. That's <laughs> or a fake beard oh, or whatever. Oh, that's right. He rips yeah. them off, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. So this one's all about cloning. And we've been doing cloning for years. It's actually really easy to clone something. Some things. Oh, yeah. Like plants. It's harder to clone others. So yeah. if I go out to, I've got um, a lavender bush in the garden. And if I go out and take a cutting of it and plant that cutting and grow another lavender bush, they are genetically identical. So they're clones of each hmm. other. They're not identical, but they're genetically identical. Therefore, they are clones. Um, you've heard of Dolly the Sheep. Have you heard yes. of Dolly the Sheep? Yep. Yeah. Which, that was in, what, the mid-90s or something? That's right. I think within the last maybe five years, Dolly died. The clone. Oh, really? Yes, passed I remember away, yeah. hearing Have, that, yeah. Haven't they? I could be wrong about this, but I, I thought they'd found that some animals that they cloned actually died sooner than would have been expected. That Is that right? maybe the copy of a copy? Yeah. Now you get dwindling detail as you the more you copy something, possibly. It's that thing yeah. they talked about in was it up the long ladder? The replicative fading. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Was that that was Deep Space yeah. Name, wasn't it? No. TNG, TNG. season no, there, one, season two. two. Yeah. There was a Deep Space Nine episode where they did the same thing and they found genetic material and they cloned it and it was a, a man. They no? cloned... Oh, I'm trying to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. The one... I think it's called A Man Alone where a guy clones himself and murders somebody else. Yeah? I think it was so, an yeah. early, early DS9 episode. Season yeah, you're one right or about something? That. Yeah, cool. Season one, yeah. Barbara Streisand... You know Barbara Streisand, yeah? Yeah. She, is she a clone? <laughs> she, no, she's not a clone. She may be. I think anybody in Hollywood that's over the age of like 90, which Barbara Streisand isn't, could no. likely be clones of themselves. What, are, what is this you're talking about? Barbara Streisand has cloned her dogs. Really? Yes. What? Well, so, the, so the internet told me. <laughs> Where did you get this? I mean, it could be true, but... I believe it is true. She has clones of her dogs. They're hugely expensive. And I think she maybe has two or three clones of the same dog. To be honest, wow, okay. I would clone <laughs> Jadzia if I could. My dog, oh, not yes. the, the, the Deep Space Nine character. Um, 
I would tell wow, like, had... just corner and corner it, it, and corner. Yeah, it's still expensive, but it's amazing. There are certain animals that you can clone, but I don't think we've gotten to the point where you could clone a person, right? Or that anyone would want. I don't know. I haven't been following the cloning news. Wow, it's reported in the New York Times. I saw that. There's an interview with her about why I clone my dog. Yeah. See? Yeah, you, guys, you guys didn't believe me. I didn't, I, yeah, wow. I didn't know that. I was like, really? Okay. Like, have you been reading Clone National dogs. Enquirer again? Yeah, because no, everything never. in there is true. <laughs> yeah, so humans, I don't see why not. Why can't we clone a human and not a dog? I mean, I think if that had actually happened, I would have heard about of it. Of course, but, but there's, there's, there's a difference between the ability to do something and the, the medical ethics around not doing it. Like, we probably can clone a human, but we never would because there are rules in place on geneticists not doing this kind of thing. You heard the story recently of the Chinese geneticist scientist who edited the genes of a fetus, or two fetuses, to make them resistant to the HIV virus. And the report was that they were born successfully and they're now babies. And that was within the last year. Hmm. And the, there was a huge discussion on the medical ethics that he broke all international laws by gene editing really? uh, an actual living embryo. Yeah, I think this is something interesting. Like, it got a lot of attention, I think, in the 90s with Dolly the Sheep and maybe with a few other things. But there have been things that have been going on that, honestly, I hadn't paid too much attention to. I was actually reading up on it, and I guess last year in 2018, there was the first successful cloning of primates. So that's getting closer to humans. So I don't know, like, what that that means. But, I mean... Of course, in another sense, we've been doing genetic manipulation through selective breeding of plants and animals for many hundreds or thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So it's already going on. This is just much more sophisticated and different way that's making us ask these questions, whether it's ethical and what that means to clone and all of that. So if you could, Joe, would you clone yourself? I would clone myself and like send myself to work. <laughs> like, go, go, go teach. I'm having a duvet day. <laughs> I'm... I'm 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 very disturbed. So Joe Keegan, the slave that goes to do your work, even if he doesn't want to. <laughs> do you know? I'd not. I, I just I wouldn't have just one slave. I would like have multiple. Oh no no no! Joe. I'd not think <laughs> like Harry Mud. Oh, would the good part of me come to the fore? It just leads to some weird questions. Uh, only okay, a clone, an identical clone of me, like so, an exact so a clone that could actually sit here. What I'm sitting and take over podcasting. Yes, personality. Like has all your memories and everything, um, let's say. Like my ability to be a famous podcaster and a famous costume designer. <laughs> all these things that make me a truly prime example of the human species and an, amaz an amazing person. Mm. But then you're... What's left over? Wouldn't that be like the TOS no, episode no. where Kirk was split? No. And the good and the bad Kirk? We wouldn't want the bad Joe... No, he's not splitting in half. He's just making an exact copy. That's a little different. But you just said that to have the qualities that would make me a famous podcaster, like you would only take the positive qualities, which means what would be left. No, it would be an exact copy of me just mm. now. Okay, so we'd have this agreement because yeah. I, I, I would like to clone myself. So my clone <laughs> would be okay with this. Yeah. Oh, because you have permission. 
Yeah, but 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 a a good thing to talk about in relation to second chances is Thomas Riker and Will Riker were the same up until that moment. But then in the last eight years, they've had all of these different experiences. So even if you clone yourself right now with all of your experiences, all of your memories, immediately you would begin to diverge in some way because there would be somewhat different experiences, right? Yes. But so. not all that different, though, I don't think. But then he would have different experiences and maybe would come to regret the fact that you cloned Or maybe him. resent that you're using him in that way. Ooh, here's a question. Which one of you would be the original? Me. <laughs> but if it's exact. But Thomas Riker thinks he's the original too, right? Exactly. It's not... He, but, no. but in a sense, he is. Exactly. They're both yeah. the original. So the original is me, the clone, who also <laughs> so thinks he's there, me. Who also not. would say me, I'm yeah. the original. Oh, that's that's one of those things where, like, who do you shoot? Yeah, I was thinking the like, same thing. <laughs> like in Star Trek. The, the real, the real person me, on the changeling. Him, yeah. 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 I, yeah, maybe, Joe, you would want to clone yourself, but I definitely wouldn't. It's enough trying to deal with myself as I am. Okay. I don't want to. So, yeah. Joe, I see where you're going, but I think unless he was like a Borg, because if what? you would send He's him off a to. Listen, if you would send him off to be teaching, you wouldn't be there. So you wouldn't be present. You wouldn't be having the interaction with your students that I know that you love. And if you were. <laughs> right? So you'd have to be connected like the hive mind because then otherwise, what would be the point of having you split off and do something different? Because then you couldn't be present here and now because half oh, of I you see. would be somewhere what else. What would be so the point? Exactly. So the what would be the point? goes into my bank account. No, it would go and into his bank account. No, uh, no I, I, think, <laughs> I think Joe is doing this thinking that this clone doesn't really have the same rights he does. <laughs> Oh, so now we're getting to measure of a man. Just <laughs> we're just going to clone a whole bunch of you Joes and send them out to uh -huh. do the dangerous work and and mine dilithium <laughs> and no, <laughs> yeah, sure. No, we'd have a rota. Like one week I'd go to work, the next week he'd go to work. But you wouldn't have those memories. So what the clone Joe would say, you would be like, I didn't teach and, you this. Wait, wait. Wait, wait, he, he'd install like a, you'd install like a port in the back of your head and his head to like sync up all the memories and experiences at the end of the day. Sure. Wow, we're getting really weird now. Yeah. <laughs> I would just jam a USB flash drive in the back of my head and hope that it worked. <laughs> Why oh, the wow. hell not? Because all your students, hmm. Mr. Keegan, you taught us that last week. No, I didn't. I'm like, no, I wasn't even here. <laughs> I was home watching was, Star Trek. That was my, my twin. But I mean... But, you know, we do have people that are essentially genetically identical twins, but mm -hmm. they have different yeah. experiences, even if there are certain similarities, they're their own person. What makes a clone different is that you're deciding not at like that that moment, you know, where, let's say, a twin is, is created and lives out a separate life, but you're deciding in a later moment in life to create this person because you want to, you know. But, I mean, in the same way, parents create children because they want to, right? So what mm. makes it maybe weird and different is that you're thinking about this in terms of this wouldn't start as someone who's a baby, but it would start as Joe at your age now, and they would have skipped all of those experiences. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it would, it would, it would start, like, the way I'm talking, my clone would come in and be like, 
my age and look exactly like me just now. But if I were to, like, using our technology just now, if I made a clone of myself, then I would have to be okay. born and grow up. Let's let's bring in another another episode though, which is Kales, where this clone is mm-hmm. created and thinks that he has all of those memories yes. and experiences, but was just created like right. during that that episode, and in a certain way, feels like he hasn't really lived any of that experience. And what will he do, and all of that, right? Uh, that's a that's a good question. Is if a memory can be implanted, is it still part of their experience? I'd say not really because they weren't there for it. They they just remember it as if it happened. But if they knew that, they would know that they weren't really there, right? But all the things that make up a memory have just been transferred. So the way that like the smells, the sounds, the all the different sensations that you experience. Right. From you would any... you would you would think that. But if you were told that you weren't actually there, like what happens in in uh, in the episode with with Kales then you would realize that wasn't really me. That didn't really happen, but I do remember it. That would probably be a weird sensation. Right. Hmm. And it got me thinking about what we may or may not see in the Picard. Like, you know, everything of data was transferred. <laughs> we're g- we're going to see a resurrected Shinzon. No. <laughs> no, everything from data was transferred into, into B4. Before, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking that. And it also got me to thinking about um, the one with the old crazy man. <laughs> Which um, one? Season and data. And he transfers oh, the sk- to know oh, him skiz- is to skiz- love him. Schizoid man, grandpa. Schizoid man. Yeah, where he was thinking, I'm going to, you know, transfer all my memories and, and knowledge. But is that essence able to transfer yeah. over? You know, it's an interesting idea and it's a, crazy. It's a good thing we have these Star Trek episodes because if it is possible to clone and you were considering it, Joe, maybe this would give you some pause, maybe? Maybe I have to go watch Star Trek and, you know. <laughs> Prime yourself. Like the, 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 uh, the video of compiled clips, like here's what to watch to decide if you would like to clone yourself. Here's the ethical <laughs> yes. consideration Star Trek tells Make us. Make that happen. <laughs> Like when you go in, um, when you go, there's like a cloning booth, and you go in wow. like into like the supermarket. There's a cloneyourself.com. I hmm. would be very greatly disturbed if you could just go into a store and just like, Oop, there's a clone. Because that's a huge responsibility. That's a real person you've created. You know. Oh, but no, no, just like um, <laughs> it scans you. And do you guys have like like passport photo booths? I mean, we have photo booths. Yeah. Well, all you need is like a transporter. I was going to say. Like second chances. You just step in, they transport, split your signals, and there's two of you, just like Riker. Yeah, there should actually be more clones running around if it's possible. Or or did they say in second chances it was just because of this like freak accident? It was atmospheric. It was something to do with the atmosphere of the planet. But you would think if they wanted to, they could be like, well, let's recreate that. I mean, because they're really smart engineers. They could probably recreate it and clone people if if they wanted to, right? I mean, the other thing is, what if you scanned someone's pattern as if you were going to transport them, but you didn't dematerialize them, but just like rematerialize the pattern somewhere else? You could create a clone, maybe. But uh, that gets into <laughs> how transporters work, which is kind of... Like we're, yeah, we're talking about it like these things are actually possible. Oh, yeah, just <laughs> reflect the transporter beam. Easy. Just put a mirror up. <laughs> yeah, easy. No, no. 
But but at the same time, we are talking about something cloning,、mm-hmm. which has happened with plants and animals、yeah. up to primates, right? So eventually, someone may be able to do that with people, and and I think Star Trek helps us to think about the ethical、mm-hmm. considerations and and what to to think about because, like in a certain way, Star Trek is like this really long thought experiment about、mm-hmm. the future, and people have. Written about and acted and directed and thought about these things for for decades, and I think it can actually help us to to prepare for what we would do then. And I would hope, if you have the resources to create your own clone, Joe, that you think about what it's been like in Star Trek and whether it would be worth it. I really want to insert like some kind of evil evil laugh. Joe's plan、yes. to take over the world with clones. You just clone like billions of yourself and take over the、yeah. world, right? Like seven and a half billion. Wow. Yeah. In, in, instead of like population nine billion, all Borg, it'll be like population nine billion, all Joe Keegan. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That would be fun. Okay. So final thoughts, Justin. Why do you go first? Yeah. Well. I, I mean, I think we had thought we would talk about season six and seven, but there was more than enough interesting stuff in three episodes of of、uh, season six, plus all the Babel conference feedback that we talked about it for nearly an hour. Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about these these questions and things. I think especially when you think about the origin of life or cloning. I think we got into quite a, a comprehensive discussion about about cloning. I mean. These are things that I mean. First of all, the origin of life kind of fascinates us. Like, how do we get here? Did it come from somewhere else, or or what happened? So, I think talking about that and the and the chase is really fascinating. But talking about cloning is、uh, that ha- like what happens in second chances is really interesting as well. And there's all kinds of ethical considerations. And we're getting, it seems like closer to the possibility of humans being cloned, which I think would be. Really, something that would open up like a lot of like ethical and practical questions, and I think Star Trek helps us to think about that. So, I think it's been a great discussion. I think whenever we, you bring these to us, Joe, for、mm-hmm. science and TNG, it helps us to really think about some important issues through the lens of Star Trek, and also to learn about science. Like also the shielding stuff. Like I hadn't heard about some of that shielding technology that you were talking about. That's pretty cool and interesting. And maybe in a couple hundred years, it could lead to. What we see in Star Trek, so I love these because we learn a lot and we have great discussions. So thank you for that. No worries, Amy. You know, I was putting together my classroom and, of course, setting up my Star Trek corner, which I absolutely love. And I had Star Trek music playing while I was doing it.、Um, I hang up a poster every year of Albert Einstein, which has his quote: "Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world." And you know, talking about these science episodes and going over what could be、um, into what may be, like, is so exciting. And I just love that Star Trek brings the imagination to us and to help someone like me, who's very tactile, very not imaginative, helps me to you know see the world and, and see the possibilities, which I think is a great attribute of Star Trek.、Um, I love. Talking about like these origins of life and and the shielding technology and and the possibility of cloning, like those are things that we can do. And then to have the discussion of should we do them, I think is very interesting. And and I love these science in TNG episodes because of that. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about、um, Star Trek and sci-fi in general is that the, the authors will. 
imagine the future and create all the cool technology we see and then some real life inventor will be inspired by that and create something similar to that technology that they see in Star Trek like um, the flip communicator in the, in the original yeah. series and then Motorola invented the flip phone and then either in 2001 A Space Odyssey or in Star Trek The Next Generation we had tablet devices and then a few years later Apple invents the, the iPad so yes, yeah, science fiction has always been really good at informing how we how we create our future. And I don't know how many times at STLV and like as a Star Trek fan, we've heard about people being inspired to go on and st- have careers in STEM purely through watching Star Trek and seeing their heroes on screen. I really enjoy doing these science episodes because it allows you to kind of delve into the episodes that we highlight and how does our current understanding of science kind of explain that. So thanks, guys, for talking about the science and TNG part three with me today. And we'll have a part four. <laughs> we'll have a part four, yeah. We'll have to have a part four, then I think we're going to have a part five. Yes. Well, it's been so much fun talking about more science and TNG, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here in the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the ready room. But Larry, how do you know that there's not a house somewhere out there on the forge? where Cybok's in the living room, Michael's in the living room, and there are like six other people in the living room that Amanda and Sarek and Spock never talk about. They t- oh, sure, they took us in for a while and they threw us in the house on the forge. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Wait, so what switched between your two lists? Calypso comes in, Runaway comes in second oh, of right, importance. Right. Okay. But Calypso comes in second in enhancement of the season. Okay. I see and really, even in importance, I could probably, in my head, flip Calypso and Runaway because I don't mm. need Runaway. Standard Orbit. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, is the best-named movie of the first six movies, I think, because from a marketing point of view, from a Star Trek point of view, it's just a great title. You know, not talking about the execution of the film. I just mean, it's a great title. The other movie titles were, eh, eh. You know, I mean, they weren't that creative. Literary Treks. So I, I think if you have an idea or a story for a Star Trek novel, it would you would be better served if that came on the heels of the 10 pieces of fan fiction that you've written or whatever, or, or things that you've written on your own that, not necessarily fan fiction, but... If you practiced as a writer and and have honed your your craft, because they're going to want you to be a, a good writer. Yeah, they're going to, and and that comes back to you know it's they're going to tie in editors, and this is not just Star Trek. This is anybody. They're going to go with people who have demonstrated an ability to hit their marks, hit their marks clean, easy to work with, or at least able to work with. Um, and, and can do that on a, and can do that on a, you know, it's like, okay, I did it once. No. Okay. Well now do it again. Now do it again. Now do it three times in a row. Now do it five times in this one calendar year. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. 
And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show and your name will be entered into our drawing. All right. So you guys ready for a bonus yes! question? Hashtag still listening. Yeah. Joe really looks for it. Yep. <laughs> so here's the question. We talked, I think, a lot about the origin of life, a lot about um, cloning. We talked somewhat about shielding. Let's talk more about shielding. Like if you could have your own personal shield that would shield you from the weather outside and potentially shield you from other people you wouldn't want to see while you're out and about, would you do it? Joe? Weather, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely for the weather, because it rains a lot in Scotland, so that'd be super useful. And also, if it's shielding you from weather, um, assuming it's some kind of electromagnetic force field, then it could shield you from um, harmful UVA radiation from oh, the sun. Oh, so it would be like your sunscreen. Oh, yeah. Yes, although in Scotland there's a higher instance of MS, which mm. is something to do with vitamin D levels in your body. And your skin synthesizes vitamin D um, by taking in UV. Yeah. So we need more sun in Scotland. So I'd have to kind of judge the levels. Oh, well, maybe maybe the, the shielding could let in the vitamin D deep-producing stuff, yeah, stuff enough. Well, idea. but it's UV that does okay. that. So, In terms yeah. of avoiding people, I don't really... That's more of a cloaking <laughs> device, right? No, I was going to say, you'd have like your personal shield so people couldn't go like up to a certain level. You could keep some of your personal space. Oh, I don't have that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> have that kind of thing. Like, my okay. personal space is like there. I mean, people can come <laughs> your right face. up close yeah. to me. I don't mind. Yeah, STLV, <laughs> my shields are down because I'm hugging on everyone. Okay. But but if you could have like a personal shield for let's say even the weather, I definitely cool. need that, especially living in Las Vegas. You could have an air conditioned well, bubble no, around you. That's I'm going opposite because of the AC that is everywhere prevalent in Las Vegas because it's so hot outside. Oh, so you- mine. I would have my shields up with warmer temperature. Then I wouldn't have to carry around a sweatshirt and a blanket when I go to STLV. Now that I would definitely get into. So it would it would warm you up inside the hotel for STLV, but as soon as you step outside, it would give yes. you some AC maybe. <laughs> this is cool. I like this idea, especially for weather. We'll have to see because the energy requirements seem like they'd be pretty Huge. high, but yeah. who knows? And would you use it, Justin? Oh, yeah. Like if I could go outside and not have to use an umbrella or like get wet in the rain, yeah. that would be really cool. Much more freeing. I would like that. Because you're always holding an umbrella that's, you know, one hand down and yeah. I actually haven't used an umbrella in a long time. It's weird. I don't, I've noticed this living in different places. Some places people use umbrellas a lot. Other places they don't. They just have like. They just run real fast and suffer through it. Yeah. You know, uh, in Japan, they are kind of known for having weird and wacky, crazy inventions. I'm sure, I've not made this up, Um, I'm sure somebody invented like an umbrella that wasn't an umbrella. It was just a long stick with some kind of (laughs) hairdryer-like thing at the top of it and it shot jets of air kind of horizontally outwards, kind of radially outwards. And as the the raindrops like fell and hit the air, they got deflected around you. Oh so the gosh. raindrops never oh. never touched you. So it is like a yeah. shield. Yeah, I, I, Joe, you're gonna have to to find that to let us know I'll if it's true. Just or you made just it up. Like, made <laughs> I might have to go and write a Wikipedia <laughs> article on it. See, you didn't make it up. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So maybe our 
personal shields. Maybe someone listening to this very podcast is inspired by Star Trek and they're an inventor and they will invent the personal shield. Please do. I like that idea (laughs) because we see it in the animated series where they have that personal shield, you know? Oh, the life belt. And it shields their whole body just really tight. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of the um, David Lynch's Dune, the personal force fields they had. And that was the mm. slow blade penetrates the shield. So anything that was going fast um, just got deflected off it. But if it was going slow, it would get through. Ah. Mm. So you just throw your weapon really slowly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if you're not an Apple user, you, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. And there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel. B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Amy, where can people contact you when you don't have your personal shields up to warm yourself at STLV. Well, you can find me right here on the network co-hosting The Edge with Patrick Devlin, where we talk about Star Trek Discovery. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and you can find me right there in the Babel Conference. So, Joe, where can people contact you when you're not cloning yourself to take over the world? <laughs> Well, um, since I am Joe Alpha um, and the rest of my clones are out doing my um, Bidding. vile deeds around the world, um, then you can find me on StarTrek.com and their STLV oh video roundup. Listeners. Um, you can find me, <laughs> I think I'm on Trekcore. I think they highlighted Stop. me. Uh, I, I, think, you know. I think Joe's head has just expanded outside Jane of the video Brooks frame. posted a Twitter <laughs> with oh, you. Oh, she yeah. did, yeah. And our montage, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what else? Yeah, the list goes yeah. on and on and on. In addition to those things that make that make me super famous, uh, you can find me on the Babel Conference. You can get me on Twitter at joeyjoe77uk, or you can email me, joepodcasts at gmail.com. And Justin, where can people contact you when you're not using your personal shields to avoid people? (laughs) Well, I just want to say first, we're just having good fun about you being this famous podcaster. We know your head isn't that big. Because we all know it's me. Oh, I have no ego whatsoever. No. Yeah, you've got this super ego. No, we didn't say that. Amy's more famous than all of us because you know they have Star Trek Las Vegas there because of Amy, You all come to visit me. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Right, right. Well, let's see. Hmm, using my personal shields to avoid people. I wouldn't want to do that at STLV, but there are some circumstances out in the world where that might be useful. Well, you can find me elsewhere on the network co-hosting The Line, our new Star Trek Picard podcast with my friends Chrissy Zalagi and Brandon Shane Matala. We've started talking about TNG stuff, of course, because it leads up into uh, Picard. But once that show starts airing in 2020, we will be talking about each episode as it airs. And you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. By the way, I didn't mention it, but a little while ago, I finished my TNG rewatch. Yay! It only took like two years and two months, but... Well, sad! Finally finished it. Yeah. I know, it, it was fun tweeting about it, and actually, 
since I'm doing things in order now, so I was doing like TNG seasons one to six, and then in the middle of season six when DS9 starts, I was alternating with DS9. Now that that's done, I'm continuing my DS9 rewatch with the first part of season three, which was the only time that DS9 was on when it was on by itself. And then um, I'm going to go into into Voyager, so getting there. In the meantime, I'm watching lots of Borg episodes, though. <laughs> so you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get out all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd also like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, Joe Keegan, Jim McMahon, and me, Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Trek FM, and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Shields up! Red alert! Resistance is futile. Welcome to the Collective of Joe. 